The Utes and Trojans face off in the Pac-12 championship game this Friday night. What storylines will define the game? Which on-field matchups will end up being the biggest key to either side's success? And who will come out on top? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this special Locked On crossover Pac-12 Championship Edition. I'm JT Wistersill of Locked On Utes. Excited to be joined by Mark Colkin of Locked On USC. And Mark, it feels like not long ago we were talking about how highly anticipated the matchup was October 14th between the Utes and the Trojans, and it did more than live up to the hype. And it was one of those games that was like, man, I'd love to see more of these two teams play. And we get to in the Pac-12 Championship. It's so exciting that we have this matchup. Yeah, it's almost like uh, it was meant to be. You know, preseason, Utah was selected or chosen to be the Pac-12 Conference Championship representative. Yep. They're there. Uh, took a little bit of outside influence to get there, but congratulations. And USC, they're they're going back for the opportunity to uh, to figure out if that one-point loss is legit or not. They're going to play it in a different location. Yeah, it's fun. Neutral site. It's going to be interesting. I'll say, I know Utah um, released that they already sold out their, um, their ticket allotment. How well do you expect the Trojans fans to travel for this one? Uh, you know, I think Utah is probably going to have the bigger crowd. I, I saw that yesterday that Utah had already sold out their allocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC will represent. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think Utah will have a better crowd there. Yep. It's a short, shorter drive for Utah. Not by a ton, I think, but is it still a little bit yeah, of a about a, six, like six to nine, right? Or something like that. Or from LA, depending on traffic, uh, five, six hours. Five, six. Oh, yeah. So about the same. And, you know, Probably. Trojans haven't been in this game in a few years, too. So nice opportunity for them to come down and represent. But for this game, I think the biggest thing I'm looking at for a Utah perspective is I want to know how good this Utah football team is. And that sounds like a weird question, right? Like they're a top 15 ranked team. They're currently 11th right now. This is a really good football team. But if you look at their three biggest road games on the season, Lost to Florida in the season opener. Arguably the biggest game in like program regular season history. You look at what was on the line, like gaining national respect and everything. You fumble in that one, just really come up short in a lot of areas. You lose at UCLA, and then you lose in a tight one to Oregon too. And it's just like this team still has good wins. We mentioned the USC one. The Oregon State win looks outstanding at this point after what they were just able to do against Oregon. So it's a good football team, but are they a championship caliber team? Personally, I think they have the chance to be, but I'm excited to see it on a neutral field because as you mentioned, or just as we've kind of talked about, this team hasn't been as good away from Rice this is a great opportunity for them against a college football playoff team. No, a- absolutely. As of today, USC is in the field of four. Yeah. Um, but as we know, that next to last uh, poll probably means nothing. Well, it does. It means nothing. Yep. Uh, because, you know, you have the, uh, the honor of playing the conference championship game. But if you lose, you're literally out of the playoffs. I know. And teams who aren't playing get to slide up on in. I know. That's another story. Mm-hmm. But um, here's the difference between this USC team on November 30th yep. compared to October 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into that Utah game, they were undefeated. Yep. But they still, you know, that Oregon State game, it felt like a good win. Yeah. But it, it hadn't proven itself out till now. That USC team then was still trying to figure out, do we believe we are this good? Well, they believe they're this good. They're actually getting healthier as the season, as we get closer to this game. So, you know, 
we talked about this on the uh, Inside the Trojan Huddle podcast on my on WeRC.com, is if we were to, if USC is to play the exact same way they played at Rice Eccles, and you pick that game up and you move it to Las Vegas, and you take away some of the weird stuff that happened in that game, in other words, Eric Gentry not available at the end of the game, Shane Lee playing with the club fist, Jordan Addison not being available in the second half, mm-hmm. as well as you know some of the officiating Yes, it's not great. <laughs> what um, does USC lose this game? So you, you know, and again, so assuming USC played the exact same way on a neutral site, I think USC feels really good from a confidence level compared to where they were in October to where they are today. Yeah, that's a really good point, and it's an exciting opportunity for this Trojans program. Lincoln Riley in his first year. I'll ask you this really quickly. I mean, I think as Utah fans, we ex- it's hard to say expected, but I mean, we really did expect to be back in the Pac-12 championship just with how many starters were returning. The goal was college football playoff for a lot of people just because you look at it from the standpoint of you win at Florida, you anticipate one conference loss, and then you repeat as conference champion. One loss conference champions almost always get in to the playoffs. So at that standpoint, I think that's what a lot of Utah fans expected. So we're happy to be back the Pac-12 championship. It was unfortunate. I think this season in some ways was a disappointment because you didn't control your own destiny. If you are Utah, you needed that help to get in, but no matter what, still have a chance to make the most of it because now you're here and you have an opportunity to go in and win. How impressed are you by Lincoln Riley and, and this team to already turn it around and be in this position in his first year with the team? It's there, There's not enough adjectives to describe what he has done mm-hmm. in, in a one-year turnaround. It, it, I, I've been around this game for a long time. Um, Pete Carroll came close, but it took him a year to yeah. go from six and six to ten and two. I mean, Lincoln Riley's come in and taken a four and eight team that literally, what I was saying, they didn't have the confidence yet. You know, he had the the advantage of the transfer portal. Yep. And all of a sudden now, you're four and eight to eleven and one. You're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's what he's done is beyond impressive. I mean, after the season. You know, I'll be able to re- sit back, reflect, and go, wow. Yeah. Because um, even if he was to lose this game, it's still a great season. 100%. So it, it's just not as great of a season. It would be a hard pill to swallow to go this far only to have Utah say, you know what? We were chosen to be the Pac-12 champions for a reason in the preseason, and we're going to make sure we, uh, we finish that mission statement. Um, now, to me, you brought up the point. It's interesting. Kyle Whittingham and Utah away from Rice Eccles, they're a different team. Yeah. Um, is he going to be more aggressive? Is he just going to let it all hang out? Because, you know, again, there's a lot riding on the line for USC. You guys want that Rose Bowl bid, the conference championship. USC, they've got the Heisman, the playoffs, the national championship as well as, you know, everything else the nation watching and saying USC's back. So is Kyle Whittingham going to change his stripes on the road this time? Yeah, that's one of my keys to this game is I feel like Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator, has to be aggressive. We saw things like Cam Rising going out for passes and Devon Bailey throwing him the ball. We didn't see conservative. I mean, this team, if they get in like third and six situations, unless it's four down territory, you can't be running the ball. That's something this team has done in a couple instances this year, and it's just really hard to pick up six yards on the ground. So you got to be aggressive. you got to go after it. You can't 
playing not to lose. You have to play to win, even if you're able to get a lead. I think my other key to the game is you have to start fast if you're Utah. That's something this Utah team has really struggled to do this season. Even at Colorado, they didn't score on their first drive. Now, after that, they didn't really have any problems, but this is a different animal in USC. We saw Utah fall behind 21-7 to against the Trojans. The Trojans made it look so easy early on. US, Utah really can't afford to go three and out to me their first drive. So let's say USC starts with it. If USC scores, Utah three and out, scores again, just really hard to beat a team by when they're leading by two touchdowns two times in a row on the season. I really feel like this Utah team has to start fast. They don't need to be leading by the first quarter, but even anytime there's a two touchdown lead, I'm going to get a little nervous. But even if they're if USC is just up by a touchdown, I think that's great. If Utah's up by a touchdown in a good position, but to me, Utah just can't fall behind big early because it's just really hard to have that kind of Herculean effort you had last time. Even though this Utah defense is playing really good, I I actually don't expect this one to go in the 40s. We can talk about that a little bit later. But when you got the Heisman quarter back on the other side it's going to be hard to stop so this offense has to start fast and be productive those are my biggest keys to the game you know here's maybe you can answer this question i've been dying yeah. out so since that game cam rising hasn't had a similar type of game that he no, has he's, he's been hurt there's he's like 80 90-ish percent, but you can tell by some of those missed throws too. He's got a massive knee brace on. And I know a lot of people are banged up late in the season, but he's just not the same guy right now. There's something off there, even if he's close to himself. And that's my that, that's the key to my question. Yeah. Is what made him so what makes him so special is that when he's not when he can't make a play with his arm, he was able to make a play with his legs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he hasn't had a rushing touchdown since that game, nor has he rushed for yeah. more than 45 yards. So all of a sudden, you know, USC's rush defense as the season's gone along has gotten better. Um, they stuffed Zach Charbonnet at UCLA to less yep. than 100 yards. They stuffed the entire Notre Dame offense to less than 100 yards last week. So, and I understand Tavion Thomas isn't playing. Yeah, so, Tavion's gone. He went. He declared for the draft, actually, uh, had well, a toe injury, so he, he's gone. So is, is, is Mackay and... Uh, uh, Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, there's a couple of Utah backs. So there's there's some good backs here. We're both down our top back, though, from what the season perceived. But Jaquindon well, has looked really you good. You can't tell the difference with, you know, USC being down without Travis Dye and Austin Jackson right That's now. That's fair. Um, Austin Jones, excuse me. Yeah. So And Tavion hasn't lived up to expectations this year. He fell short. So it's kind of a similar situation for both teams. I, the, the long question I'm spitting out here is, is Cam Rising as dangerous considering everything I just mentioned? I would say no right now, and that's where I think it's good that this Utah defense is, I expect a performance more similar to the second half we saw. In the first half, they gave up over 300 yards against the Trojans last time they played. In the second, held them under 200. It's good. Look, it's a tall task anytime to slow down this offense, but I do have more faith in this Utah defense not to get gashed as early as they did and be able to hold in tough because I don't think the offense for Utah is going to be able to march up and down the field for touchdowns through four quarters. Maybe we get into the fourth and Utah can rattle off three touchdown drive, something crazy. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep that up because right now Cam is not the same guy. And look, he looked good against Colorado. Mark, you could look good against Colorado right now. Exactly. <laughs> position they're in. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see and watch how it does all play out because as you mentioned, he's not the same guy, at least in the last few games we've seen. Yeah, you know, hopefully he's, uh, hopefully you guys aren't rope-a-doping us right now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll find out. <laughs>
<laughs> it'll be fun to see. We're going to come back and talk about some of the key matchups to this game in a moment. But first, want to talk to you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you guys covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. You've got pro football, college football, pro basketball, college basketball, the World Cup. How about Team USA? Esports is even on there. They've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Fitting too, Mark, that this game is going to be in the betting capital of the world in Las Vegas. Great host site for the Pac 12 championship, one that Utah fans after last year's game are obviously eager to return to after how that game played out. But this is a different game than last year. There's no Brant Keithy, there's no Tavion Thomas, and you've had other guys step up. We know how good Dalton has been, even if not all the national voters decided to recognize him for the Mackey Award. But that's we're not going to go into that rant. That was what yesterday's uh, show yeah, was. Uh, that, that's was, a sign of disrespect. Exactly. Yeah, that is a huge exactly. sign. At least someone from the Pac-12 is getting representation he deserves in Caleb Williams and uh, what he's able to do. And uh, that's one of my first key matchups to this game is, can this Utah defensive line really keep Caleb Williams in the pocket. It's going to be a tall task. I don't think Jonah Ellis is going to play, who's been Utah's top pass rusher this season, but they have been using Mahmoud Diabate more as an edge rusher, and he's done a really good job. He was an uber-athletic edge rusher at Florida. They originally more of an outside linebacker. They moved him more off-ball to the inside and hasn't been as successful for Florida or for Utah, but as Utah's been using him more on those passing situations as a rusher, he's been more effective. And the other thing with Caleb, too, is not just can you keep him in the pocket, but when you actually break through, can you bring him down? Because that's something very few teams have been able to – really, no one's been able to do this season. He is the most slippery quarterback in college football, and when the play breaks down, he's at his best. And he made a couple of unbelievable throws at Rice Eccles last time when he was being flushed out of the pocket. There was one throw in particular. I remember he was rolling to the right and just threw it down the sideline. It's just a perfect throw that most quarterbacks couldn't even make if they had their feet set. So containing Caleb is really tough, and I'm not sure if Utah has – the guys to do it all game long. But I do think this is a group that as compared to the last time is at least capable of making a couple of those stops just because of the confidence. Some of the interior defensive tackles are playing with. And even though there is no Jonah Ellis, you got a veteran in Gabe Reed out there. And I already talked about the Abate, but anytime you're trying to contain Heisman trophy winner or potential Trisman Hofi trophy winner, I guess he doesn't have it locked up yet, but it's trending that way. I feel like. Yeah, no, you're, you're, You'll be playing the 2022 Heisman Trophy winner uh, this Friday. That's I, I would be shocked if anybody else wins it. Uh, but to your point, yeah, everybody's tried. The, the thing about Caleb is his internal clock, his instincts, his ability just to spin out of, of trouble. Yep. And then just to keep the plays alive. Um, sometimes to his detriment, he'll hold on to the ball too long. Yep. So that you know, I guess that's the key is that you can't have somebody just spying. Everybody's got to have one goal is, hey, Caleb, get Caleb. Um, because, yeah, he will – it's almost like he was born to embarrass people. And <laughs> I like he that. Has, he has that ability when he's on the football field to – he looks like he's taking on 11 guys at one time, and he's pretty successful. Very successful. What's what For you, what's the biggest key you're looking at in this game? Matchup wise, uh, at least coming from Utah, stopping the tight end. Yeah, you know, there were some incredible throws and catches the last time they played, and the other key, tackle at the point of impact. You know, it's one thing to let a guy catch sixteen passes; it's another thing to let him have about a hundred plus yards after the catch. For a tight end, too, is crazy. But, correct, and so again, I, I think. 
those are the two keys. Watch the tight end. We talked about, you know, Cam Rising containing him and then tackle better. Yeah. And Dalton, to his credit, too, he does lead all tight ends in yards after contact. So he is genuinely really good at it. But for this USC team, I got to imagine they're really going to be keen. And how how do you think they plan on trying to stop the guy who, I mean, he had a historic game last time. It was the most um, one reception shy, I believe, of the most receptions by a tight end in FBS history. Actually, obviously set the Utah tight end record for yards. And it was just an unbelievable performance. It really was a Dalton Kincaid game in a lot of ways. You know, it, it's really weird because last week, you know, Notre Dame, they have a they have a pretty good tight yes. end as well, Michael Mayer. And yep. while he wasn't as successful as Kincaid, he still had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So whether it comes down to scheme, I'm not sure what it is, just being a step out of place. They, um, there's enough film to watch. It, with, at this point, it, it, you know, Alex Grinch can, the USC's defense coordinator, he can coach these guys up and get the message across and say, go do this. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, the guy's got to do this. Um, yeah, I, I I see a much different game this time around. Um, they don't like to use it. They don't use, they don't want to use the term a revenge game. But I know for a fact, talking with some people after the game, um, they took this game personally because they felt like they didn't so much get beat as much as they they gave it away. That's fair. In a lot in a lot of ways, they did really inflict themselves. <laughs> and look, Utah had opportunities late to march down the field and score. But had they USC did. done some things differently early on in that game, it would have been a different outcome. So I definitely understand that from those players' perspectives. I want to flip it over really quick, talking about the Utah offense versus this USC defense. For me, the biggest key is USC's defensive line at the time coming into that Utah game and led the nation in sacks. They actually didn't sack Cam once last time. A lot of that credit goes to the offensive line, and also credit goes to Cam for being more mobile this time around. So if the Utes can really keep cam upright for the majority of the game i do expect cam to get dropped once maybe even twice but anything more than that i think is where you start getting into getting into trouble in this one and i know someone who was very frustrated was a uh, Tooley last time around because he had to um leave the game early so this is going to be a fun matchup between these two groups utah offensive line really starting to play better as of late but this is the best pass rush they've played in a while this is a much improved group even against a team like the oregon ducks who just haven't gotten after the quarterback right. at a high level so i'm excited to see how the o block can hang in against an elite trojans pass rush the second time around I, I know Thule is looking forward to this game. Um, like I said, you could see in his eyes after the game in Rice Eccles, he was he was already ready for a rematch. He was he was hot. So mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley said this isn't a revenge game. After last week's game, when Thule was said, "Hey, you know, who do you look forward to playing in the, in the conference championship game?" You know, he actually used the term revenge game uh, if he had if Utah was the team. So. Um, They've been doing things differently with Thule since that game. They've been moving him around. Um, it's he's Just not hard. as yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if Utah's O line can uh, find him all the time. And again, as I mentioned, um, USC's front seven has gotten significantly better uh, since that game till yep. now. So it's it it's Thule is still the guy, um, but there's other players who are who are starting to make life a little bit easier for him to lead the nation in sacks right now. So 12 and a half. 
And I, I, they, I mean, it's an extremely impressive number. And I really think with Thule, too, they're going to try to get him in one-on-one opportunities a lot over Utah's right guard, Michael Mokofisi. He's been kind of the weakness of this offensive line overall on the season. Um, last time, actually, Mokofisi got hurt in the game against the Trojans, and it ended up being Jaron Kump, who actually still struggled in that game despite Utah's success. So got to imagine they'll try to get him in those isolated situations, which a clever defensive coordinator like Alex Grinch is going to be able to. So we really talked about the front seven. But, and look, when you're on the blame totem pole for USC's last loss to Utah, the guy at the very bottom of that was Caleb Williams, who was unbelievable in that game. You mentioned no Jordan Addison out there too, but this is a really good Utah secondary still. It's the best in the Pac-12. Actually, all the defensive statistics, Utah leads most of them too. Do you think we'll see more of what we saw in the first half, the last time the Trojans played the Utes, those 300 yards and a half? Or do you think it'll be... Utah's going to get more of the second half production because that defense is better and the Trojans' defense will play better too, that we're going to have a little bit of a low, lower scoring game this time around. I think it depends on, um, I don't know, it depends on the the health of Clark Phillips. You know, he's yeah. a guy who, you know, who who makes your secondary mm-hmm. better. Uh, I think you're going to see more of what you saw in the first game. Not because... There's in the first half? Time. I think you're going to see it for the entire game in the first gotcha. game. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Thanks for this. Yes. I think you're going to see the full Caleb Williams package. You're going to see the 300-yard passing. You're going to see uh, the ability of him to extend the play with his legs. But, again, Jordan Addison is healthy. Ta- uh, Mario Williams is back healthy. Taj Washington. Kyle Ford. There's a lot for the Utah secondary to contain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So – yeah, I think you're going to see more of the same. Um, there's a Utah's defense is is really good, but you know USC's offense leads the Pac-12 43, 42 and a half points per game. That's what third in the country. Yeah, in the Pac-12. So it's kind of strength against strength, and we'll we'll see mm-hmm. uh, who wins that arm wrestling match. It, it is going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully Jordan Addison is good to go for the entire game because we know what a critical Kagi is in, in this offense. And once again, just draft nerds love these kind of games. Clark Phillips versus Addison. Clark, um. I don't remember if there was actually the reason stated just escaping my mind right now, like why he didn't play against Colorado. But from what I've heard, he is going to be good to go against USC, which is, I mean, you want these two teams to be best on best. That's what you want it to happen. And I think that's where Utah too, where they want Addison to play the whole game because they want to look good beating a team like this and having the opportunity to return to the Rose Bowl in this scenario. I think the last thing, and you, you've talked a lot, you think Caleb's in for a big game too, but, um, what kind of performance do you really think he's going to have on this championship level stage in, with an opportunity to – he's got the Heisman, but I think if there was a disaster of a performance, he could give it up. I don't expect that from him. He's, he's gotten to this point for a reason. But what do you expect from him in the biggest game of the season? So let's I, – I do have to caution and remind everybody, he is still a sophomore. I mean, I'm crazy. A true sophomore. True sophomore. True sophomore, correct. So he is still young from a maturity standpoint. And – you know, yeah, he's played in big games before, but he, this is a, he hasn't played in this game yet. And, you know, young players tend, when they are special and they know they can do things, sometimes they try and do too much. And so you hope that, you know, Caleb doesn't try and play outside of Caleb, I guess. Absolutely. Don't turn into the anti-hero. Don't turn into like Deadpool Williams. And just make a mess of everything, even though your intent is good. Yeah, everything you're doing is just turning into a bloody mess. Don't do that. Um, so far on the season, he's had three interceptions <laughs> all year long. Offensively, the team has not fumbled the ball yet. 
That I, I throw that stat out there because I have never heard of a team going through an entire season without yeah, fumbling. I can't either. They're credited with one fumble, but that came on an onside kick that the ball bounced off of a USC player. Mm-hmm. So they didn't actually recover it and give it up, yeah. but they're credited for a fumble. That's the only one of the <laughs> And stats. not the offense, too, like you mentioned. And not the offense. So, it's, again, to your question, as long as Caleb doesn't go stupid, um, yeah, I anticipate him having a good game. I mean, he's just such a special player, too. It feels yeah, like yeah. everyone's going to be lining up next season to take him first overall in the NFL draft. Everyone was always all excited about this quarterback class, and I personally really like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, too. But you could tell the excitement already building for Caleb Williams and what he's going to be able to do. And speaking of this game and just what he's going to be able to do, Mark, it's prediction time. So how is this game going to play out? Who's going to walk away with the MVP? And can the Trojans return to the top of the Pac-12 conference? So, you know, you, we talked about how, how well Utah plays defensively. They're, they lead the comps are what, 20.6 per, per game, something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, USC defensively only gives up 26 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC scores 42.5 points per game. Vegas, I think. 39. Yeah. Um, Vegas says USC's a three-point favorite. I'm trying to figure it out on a neutral field. Um, I, I see USC, like I said, if USC plays the way they did – at Rice-Eccles, in Las Vegas, without, you know, some really special catches along the sideline for Utah, without a two-point conversion at the very end, without some dubious officiating, I see USC winning this game by 10 to 14 points. Okay. I, I definitely get that too. Are you someone too? I, you mentioned how excited um, you just feel like the Trojans. Is this really the matchup the Trojans players wanted to? And is this the matchup you wanted in the Pac 12 championship game to avenge that loss and get the revenge game? As you've said, it's not, yes. but it really is. So there's a couple of things that factor here. Travis Dye was one of the most disappointed players after that loss to Utah because going back to his time at Oregon and now at, U- yeah. at USC, right. he's never beaten the Utah Utes. Crazy. He won't be able to play in this game, but at least he wants to be wearing the uniform of a team that beats the Utah Utes. Mm-hmm. He'll be an honorary captain as well at the coin toss. Um, and again, just the fact that they are one point away from being unblemished right now. That it, you, JT, you've been in a locker room before. Um, I don't know. Have you? Have, uh, yes, high school football. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that goes, to, yeah, they want that game back. They want yeah. it You mentioned Thule. You saw it in his eyes. It's mm-hmm. Caleb is a, yeah, Lincoln Riley. You know, he might coach speak his way, say it's not a revenge game. Take this into consideration. Twice when he was at Oklahoma, he lost to Texas during the regular season and Iowa State during the regular season. He ended up playing both of those teams in the Big 12 championship game at the end of the season. He won those rematches both times. So, that's what Utah and Kyle Whittingham has to look forward to this time around. Yeah, and you just think about for Lincoln, all the scrutiny he took from Oklahoma fans. I think everyone from looked at it like, oh my gosh, yeah. what a great hire it was. But no one expected this team to be doing this either, a chance to beat the expectations, prove really what – I mean, we all thought he was one of the best coaches in college football, but it's things like this. It's like, well, why is he one of the best coaches in college football? Well, in his first year, he got another guy to win Heisman with a new program and took him all the way to what seems like it very well could be the college football playoff. But 
I'll take it into my prediction. It will not be a college football playoff trip for the Trojans because the youths are going to do it again in incredible, improbable fashion as they tend to win these kind of games like that. It's going to be another thrilling Pac-12 championship, a much better game than last year, where at that point it was almost like, I, I personally as a Utah fan, I was like, I wanted to win, but I at least wanted to be like interested in the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, at that point it was like a 30-point blow, but uh, staying on this one, I just think this Utah team, just they've got they've gotten lucky getting to this point because they didn't control their own destiny. But now that they're here, the way this defense is playing right now, I think, like I said, they're probably not going to force a fumble in this one. Although you never know, sometimes those kind of things have a way of showing up. And biggest game of the season, maybe Austin Austin Jones does end up coughing the ball up once in crazy fashion. I think the Utes get one big turnover in this game, whether it's an interception or a fumble that really turns the tide for Utah. I think Cam Rising is really good in this game. I don't think he's as good as the last time we saw him, but I think the biggest thing we're talking about with Cam is he made really clutch throws late. I think he's looking at back at that Oregon game. I think there's so many opportunities on the season. The Florida game's not on him, but at the end of the day, he had a chance to win it on the final play and threw an interception. All those things are in his head. Two of Utah's losses are really in part. I mean, and he wasn't outstanding against UCLA. I the defense was really bad in that game. But either way, this is an opportunity for him to have a huge game in one of his final games as a U because I do expect him to go pro after the season, even though I don't really know what his draft stock's going to be. But I really think Cam steps up, makes a couple big plays. I think the Utah offensive line and the running game are able to get going a little bit in this one too. And I think Utah's able to play their brand of football. It's not going to take an improbable comeback. I think this will be a back and forth game. And in the end, I think that turnover is really the difference as Cam Rising is the Rose Bowl MVP in this one. Or excuse me, the Pac-12 Championship MVP. Geez, counting my chickens before they hatch a little more. Well, we'll, we'll see if that happens. You'll be the first team to uh, win the plus-minus uh, turnover battle with USC if that happens because they lead the country for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, Kalen Bullock, he's got five interceptions on the season so far back there at free safety. Mm -hmm. You know, it, if it does come down to turnovers, I think it's a safe bet to pick USC to win That's that right. battle. Yeah, they've been better at forcing them this season. And if Kim has one interception, I think Utah could still win this game. Once you get into like the two or anything over that, that's where it's like, uh, oh. And, and here's the other thing. You said you don't think Cam's going to have a game similar or as good as he had in Utah. Well, it took a Superman type of game from Cam. So if With the not... defense really struggling early on, that's the reason I don't think it'll be needed as okay. much because I expect the game to be better. And actually, I didn't give a score prediction. You said they were going to win by two touchdowns. You saw 10 to two touchdowns, in your opinion. I have the Utes winning by four in this one. I think it's going to be 36-32. I don't think we'll see a 40-point game, as I discussed. I could even see this one in the high 20s, but because I do think the defense will be better on both sides than just the track meet that we kind of got going that last time around. But it's going to be a thrilling one down to the wire mark, and I just can't wait to get out to Vegas this Friday yeah. night. I'll be on an airplane tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. It's going to be thrilling. You know, it's Christmas season, so it truly is the most wonderful time of the year because it's championship season, and both the Utes and the Trojans have an opportunity to get after it. If you guys are looking for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports Today, the take of the day, the biggest game recaps, the biggest stories. It's all there on Locked On Sports Today, available on audio, YouTube, or wherever you guys get your podcast. Make sure you check out Mark's Twitter at Mark Colkin as well as subscribe to Locked On USC. Make sure you check out me at JT still on Twitter and Locked On Utes on Twitter as well as subscribe to Locked On Utes and get coverage leading up to this game. So we both still got an episode to go before it comes out. And, you know, next week we're going to be breaking it down, whether it is a potential playoff trip for the Trojans or the Utes pulling off the improbable upset for the second time this season. No matter how it plays out, Mark, it's going to be a memorable one in Vegas. Can't wait. See you there. It's going to be a fun one. See you then. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this special Locked On crossover. Have a great day. And we'll both be back with you on Locked On Utes and Locked On Trojans tomorrow.